Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Celia Kibler, and I'm super excited to be here. I'm always super excited to be here. You know that. Uh, And because I have a wonderful guest with me today, Dr. Spencer Richland, and we're going to be talking about reproductive issues and problems and a lot of stuff that I hope helps you if you're having any of these challenges, or maybe you know somebody is and they need help with this. So I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Spencer Richland, who is a board-certified reproductive endocrinologist with extensive reproductive surgical experience. This is a mouthful for me. It's a lot. He has been practicing at Reproductive Medicine Associates of Connecticut since 2004, where he is a partner and a surgical director. And I welcome you, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Celia. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? Good? I'm doing great. Thank you. And I hope you are too. Absolutely. So listen, you know, our goal with everyone who's trying to get pregnant is to have an environment where they feel safe and welcome and patients, no matter where they are, where they're at, how they're all set up in their relationships, they can start the reproductive journey. And that's what's so important for all of us. No, it's a big deal. And, and, Patients want to be respected and they want to get pregnant and we want to help them do that. Absolutely. I was pregnant with my first, my daughter at 23 and I felt very naive because I, I honestly didn't know you had troubles getting pregnant. This was long ago, you know, as my children say, when dinosaurs run the earth. And (laughs) so they, you know, I, I didn't know that until I met my girlfriend who was having issues getting pregnant, went through IVF and all of that. So I know, first off, you work with men and women because it is a two-way street. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, it's a two-way street when, for example, when couples come in and they're trying to get pregnant, sometimes it's an, it's an issue with sperm. Sometimes it's an issue with her and her reproductive tract. So we work with both um, partners to figure out, you know, what's happening. And a lot of people we see are coming in if they've been trying for six months to a year, depends upon their age, and they're not getting pregnant. And they're going to say, you know what, I'm not getting pregnant. What's happening? And today in 2021, patients are really being proactive. They want to know, is my uterus good? Are my fallopian tubes good? Are my ovaries good? Do I have a good sperm count? So they'll come in and they want to be evaluated. Also, Celia, we have let's say our single moms to be coming and they want to use donor sperm. So they're going to come in right away. Or we have our men, men couples who are going to use 
um, donor egg and a carrier, or we have people who just want to come and freeze their eggs because they're not ready to family build. So, so anyway, they do it. You you are there for them. Yeah. Any any scenario, we meet our like you kind of said. We meet our patients where they're at, and we will figure out what's the best way to handle helping them become pregnant and, and getting their family building. And because uh, you know now, and we have so many great options and such great technology, and and evaluating patients and doing IVF, like you said, the word IVF, we're really good at it as a country right now. We can do IVF and put in embryos and get people pregnant. There's so many options. No, that's so wonderful. It's so good that people that want a baby can get a baby in so many ways. I mean, even if the option is adoption or something like that, there, there are ways you can have children if you want to have children. So what if, if you're unable to have to, what are the first signs that someone may think? That something's happening. You know, I would say right. in general, the basic situation that we see a lot is, is in a male-female couple who are trying for pregnancy, let's say she is having regular cycles. So let's say a 28 day cycle, you know, day one is full flow. And that couple is trying for pregnancy, having intercourse, let's say day 12, 14, 16, and they're not getting pregnant. In that basic scenario, if you are under um, 35, people are trying a year. If you're above 35 and you're a little bit older, you're trying six months. But if something's not happened, people will come in and see a reproductive physician to find out, okay, listen, we've been trying, we haven't hit it. You know, chance of pregnancy is about 20% a month. We want to be proactive. Is there anything going on with us? And that's where things usually start. There are some people on the other hand who have known issues like Celia. Oh, I had an ectopic pregnancy when I was younger and I had surgery and they removed the tube or my cycles are not 28 days. So I'm not releasing an egg mid-cycle and I'm really irregular. I may not be releasing an egg. I need you to help me release an egg. Or, you know, that lady who says, listen, I'm on my own. I'm a single mom-to-be. I need donor sperm. And, and we go from there. How much does uh, birth control affect your ability to become pregnant? I, you hear things and, and, you know, when I was younger and, and, there was the pill and I know it's not what it is now than when right. I was on it, but you used to hear about how, you know, if you're on it too long, you're, you're going to become infertile. The nice thing is, is you're going to love this is that being on birth control pills is not a problem. It is not a negative. It does not cause infertility and you're ready for this. It may be protective. So there's some data to say birth control pills can potentially be protective against certain reproductive cancers. So when our patients come in and, and this comes up and they say, you know, I was on birth control pills for 10 years. I stopped my pill. I'm cycling regularly now. I haven't gotten pregnant in a year. Is being on the pill a problem? The answer is no way. Because I don't want them to worry about that because we know based upon data and literature for so many years that the pill is fully safe. That's so is usually the IUD. So all that is just fine. That's good to know. That's good to know because I, I always wondered about that. It's good to know because you and I don't want our patients to have been on the pill and not be getting pregnant and feel that they did something wrong. They exactly. absolutely did. It's, it's totally fine. Because I think there's a lot of guilt in not being able to get pregnant. And what, at, what have I done wrong? What have, have I done wrong in my past? What am I doing wrong? You know, why is it me that's not getting pregnant? Right. So 
that, that comes up, birth control, or, or if someone had a pregnancy in the past and it wasn't the right time and they didn't continue that pregnancy, that's totally fine. It is not a negative for now. So people's pasts, we never make them worry about them. We just want to take them from where they are now and make it happen. That's wonderful. So you brought up age and how much is age a factor in, in reproductive ability? You hit, you hit it exactly. It's everything. That's who you are. That's why you are who you are because age is everything. And here's why. When you think about reproductive aging, men make sperm every 74 days and they're making brand new sperm. So a male can have children until they pass. Women are born with all their eggs for a lifetime. And that's because we're different organisms. So they're born with all their eggs for a lifetime. And they're, so they're sitting there for years and years and years. And with time, they don't want to behave. And so age is a big deal. And as women get older, their chance of pregnancy goes down. And the reason why is, is because when someone releases an egg every month, day 14, the egg that releases needs to be 23 chromosomes. The egg needs to get picked up by the tube. If they're having intercourse, they have intercourse mid-cycle, the sperm swims through the cervix, through the uterus and into the tube and egg and sperm meet. The sperm has to be 23 chromosomes. The egg has to be 23 chromosomes, 46 chromosomes human being, divide, 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 implant in the cavity. We got it. The problem as we get older, this is the biggest issue, is when that egg releases from a lady's ovary, as they get older, there's a higher chance that that egg releases and is not 23 chromosomes. An error was made. What happens if the egg is 24? Gets picked up by the tube. Sperm hits it with 23, 47 chromosomes. No good. So it's all about age and chromosomes as people get older. So what, um, if somebody's older in life and you hear about people all the time, you know, they're 50, they're in their forties, they want to have children. Is it a good idea? Is it safe? Is it like, are there protection to help this unborn child be healthy and strong? Is there something you can do about it? I mean, absolutely. If someone is older and like you said, and they're, at four, let's say 40 years old, and she gets pregnant on her own, at the end of the day, if that pregnancy is good, it's going all the way. If a pregnancy is not genetically correct, it's usually going to not get them pregnant or they can implant and they'll have a loss usually in the first trimester. Now, there's some other situations that can go farther along, but at the end of the day, we have so much to offer our patients and when they go to their obstetricians that they'll have a pregnancy that's good. People don't deliver pregnancies that have genetic issues. They usually know up front. Now, when they're with us, a lot of our patients will want to know how good their eggs are and we'll do what's called ovarian reserve testing. So we can check their hormones at something called an FSH, an AMH, a follicle count. And, you know, we help our patients get pregnant. Age doesn't bother us terribly but it gets more challenging as someone gets older to become pregnant. No question. So if someone's struggling with infertility, what are their options? I, I imagine so, now time days, there's so much more. There's so much. If someone's struggling, the, the first thing is you got to see your reproductive physician. You want to go through your background, your history, where are you at, what's been happening. And then when it comes down to it, 
people do an evaluation. And it starts from the simple. So we want to check, does your partner have a sperm count? So we do a semen analysis. And then we get into, well, how are your menstrual cycles? Are you regular? Are you irregular? Then we think about the uterus. Are the fallopian tubes open? We do something called an HSG to prove those fingers are open to pick up an egg and not blocked. We do a water test and put water in the middle of the uterus where you're going to implant to prove you don't have polyps or fibroids that are causing decreased implantation. And we check egg quality tests, something called ovarian reserve testing. So we do all these basic tests. And at the end of the day, after looking at your ovaries and your follicle count, we can put it together to figure out, you know what, this is what's happening. This is your plan of action. Because guess what? If we have a man who has no sperm, we have to go down that road and have them see a reproductive urologist or use donor sperm. If someone's tubes are blocked, the ends of the tubes are blocked from prior infection, guess what? We're going to use in vitro fertilization and make embryos and put them right into the uterus and bypass the tubes. So to answer you simply, you, you want an evaluation to find out, is there anything wrong? Is there not? And then we figure out, okay, how can we fix it or bypass those issues to help you get pregnant? Has had children and they get their tubes tied or the male gets um, fixed, for lack of a better word. Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think, I don't want to say spayed. I don't want to say spayed or neutered. Vasectomy, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so are they able to reverse? I mean, I do know a friend who is going through this and he was able to reverse it. What are the chances of that? What? So that's an interesting situation. So one is, is the fact that she got pregnant in the past is good because that means she has a good uterus. What usually happens is it depends upon her age. If she's young, let's say in early mid thirties, he can get a sperm uh, vasectomy reversal. They will then, they will do a surgery on his genitalia, put back the vas deferens, sewn back together. So sperm can come out. And for her, you can do a reversal and put the tubes back together. A surgery could go into the pelvis and where the tube was cut, put them back together with very fine sutures and they can try for pregnancy. But I will tell you, that's not really where it's at today in 2021 because people don't want surgeries. Ladies don't want to be touched in their abdomen and have surgeries because there's a risk of surgery. So what people are doing now is they're doing IVF. And that exact couple, 9.5% out of 10 will do something like the partner will get a sperm retrieval technique. They'll go to a special urologist. We'll take out sperm. It's very quick. That sperm comes to us and gets frozen. And that nice lady is not going to put back her tubes because it's a big involved procedure. She'll do in vitro fertilization where we give her medicines for 10 days stimulate her ovaries. Then we go in there with a transvaginal ultrasound and take out eggs, thaw his sperm, put egg and sperm together, make embryos, and put an embryo back into her uterine cavity. The pregnancy rates with that are so superior to fixing back her tubes. The pregnancy rates are incredible. That's what people are doing. She puts an embryo, she freezes other ones for a second or third pregnancy. So today, People are doing IVF for that. That's, that's good to know. What about somebody who uses a, a donor sperm or a donor egg? You know, you were saying like someone who can't get pregnant or male, male couples, couples, female, female couples. 
that want to get pregnant? Uh, how, how does that work? And is it like, oh, I want my child to look like this? Is, is that real, realistic or what do they do? Let's use an example of, let's say one of our single moms to be who's going to use donor sperm. It's a very serious discussion. Donor sperm is available at a sperm bank and there's federally approved sperm banks, which is incredible. And the gentlemen who want to donate come in, they see a physician, they do history of physical, they do blood work, HIV, hepatitis, genetic screening, psychological evaluation, and that sperm is, and then he prepares a sample and the sperm is quarantined. He then comes back six months later, they go through all that again, HIV, hepatitis, physical, psychological, he's all good. And that sperm is now ready to be purchased by someone else. Usually what happens is, is the person who's donating the sperm, the man has filled out a profile about himself. Sometimes our patients can see a picture or a video of him. Background, age, if he's had other children that way, hobbies, uh, his work. And after all that, he can be eligible. And so our patients can go online and look at the gentleman, his background, his evaluation, his sperm counts, his features, like you said, and, and pick him. Now on our side of the fence, when we have one of our, let's say our single moms to be in this example, we have her meet with one of our reproductive counselors just to talk about the process, get them excited about doing this. Let's help you do this. We can help you choose a donor. When would, when you get pregnant and you deliver, when are you going to tell your child that donor sperm was used? Are you gonna, are you not? Are you going to tell your family? How are you going to tell other people who ask you? Someone comes up to your work and says, you're pregnant. How did that happen? So we help them with messaging. So they're in total control of the situation. Um, and one of the big things Celia, out there is, is most of our patients want to pick a donor who's open to their child contacting them when they're 18, if the mom is comfortable with that. Because sometimes the children want to know their biological parent for genetic reasons, for medical condition reasons, and sometimes they want to reach out. So today, people really want to know their genetic heritage. So most people pick a donor who's open to being contacted later in life. So it's a big process that we help our patients with. And it's very, very regulated and it's very careful. That's wonderful. That's good to know. I'm sure you would be concerned about disease and past medical history and how that's going to, of course, affect the future of your child and knowing all of that. And how we handle that is, is the diseases you're talking about are usually what's called autosomal recessive diseases. So when, let's say in our example, our single mom-to-be she will get a carrier panel done and we'll check her to make sure is she a carrier for one of up to two to 500 conditions. She's just a carrier. She has one gene. She has no medical condition. On the flip side, the, the donor is also going to have his carrier panel done to see if he's a carrier for any medical conditions. All that counts is that they're not carriers for the same conditions because if they're carriers for the same conditions, 25% of the offspring will get a gene from him and her and have two genes and have the real deal disease. So before a match is made, you're all over it. Both parties, we have to make sure they're not carriers of the same thing and then they're okay to do it. So we watch this very carefully. 
to avoid any issues. We were talking earlier about the podcast that I had done with my daughter about miscarriage and people that go through um, multiple miscarriages like she did. I'm grateful that my daughter was able to bear two children, but is it often that there's a problem there, even though they're getting pregnant, they're losing it. What can you do? First of all, the question is why? So sometimes couples are having losses and it's complicated, but because one of them has what's called the balanced chromosomal translocation. So the male or the female can have an issue with their chromosomes. And when they make egg or sperm, they're making egg or sperm. That's not correct. And they're getting pregnant, but that pregnancy is not 46 chromosomes. There's other scenarios. And remember, these things I'm going to tell you are rare. There's other scenarios where the pregnancy is implanting in the uterus and there's an issue in the uterus. There's a polyp, there's a fibroid, something's not right. Kind of rare. It's just like it's rare for one of the couples to have a chromosomal issue. Very rarely, sometimes the thyroid gland is working too high or too low and that can cause pregnancy loss. And there's also some very rare situations where people are getting pregnant and they're having an issue with blood clotting issues to the pregnancy and it's stopping it from work, from working. But in general, what we do is, is we kind of look at those things. Are there any blood clotting issues? Is your cavity clean? Are your eggs good? Male, female chromosomes good? We look at your egg quality, your thyroid, and usually guess what? Those are usually normal. And usually someone does not have an obvious reason for the pregnancy loss, but guess what it is at the end of the day? It's because probably the embryo they implanted was not 46 chromosomes. It wasn't their fault. You didn't do anything wrong. It was random. Egg 23, sperm 23, 46. If it's not 46 in an implant, you're going to have a loss. That's what it is 90% of the time, wow. genetically incorrect. So we do those evaluations. We find out everything's fine and usually comes down to bad luck. What do we do? In a lot of those couples, what's happening today, we are doing IVF and testing the embryos on day five. And on day five, we are taking a couple cells from the placenta, the day five embryo, and we can tell them of the embryos you made in the lab, which embryos are 46 chromosomes and which ones are not. And what they're doing is, is let's say we biopsied six embryos, three of them good, three of them not. We will then thaw an embryo that's 46 chromosomes, put it back into their uterus. And now a lot of the times we're in good shape because we've set up the stage for them to have an embryo that we know upfront is 46 chromosomes. Usually we can help our patients like that succeed. You know, there's rare situations where we have issues with the uterus and sometimes people will need to use a gestational carrier, but usually we can solve it. It's amazing. And usually if someone has a loss, we assume their next pregnancy will be fine. But people who've had pregnancy loss, it's very stressful. Does your facility help with, you mentioned gestational carriers, is that something you help with or is that not? Absolutely. So we help patients utilizing gestational carriers, some of the highest numbers in the United States. And we have an incredible team um, that's headed by my partner, Dr. Lee Deris, Who's, who helps people use gestational carriers when needed. That's a lot of times when we have our men-men couples who are going to use donor egg with their sperm, create embryos, and put those embryos into a gestational carrier. So we do that a lot. And you can imagine the gestational carriers are screened. They're really good people and really nice people who are there to do something really nice for someone else. 
So we, we do that a lot too. That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. So someone comes in and they're all ready and they're ready to go through one of your processes to get pregnant. At that point, what happens? So at that point, you know, we've done all their evaluation. We kind of know where they're at. We, we like them to choose at our center something else special to do. Do you want to do acupuncture with one of our acupuncturists? Do we want you to see our nutritionists to kind of get you tuned up? Are you on your prenatal vitamins? We have reproductive coaches. We have ladies night in. We have all these resources for people to kind of talk and be involved. So I'd like them to do something, maybe exercise, sleep well, do their vitamins. Let's say we have that all straightened out. A lot of times, depends where they're at, but sometimes patients, we help them with timing, help them time things better. Sometimes we give them medicine and do artificial insemination to try to help them get pregnant. Try that three, four times. Sometimes we go right to IVF. What happens is, is after they've done all their testing, we know very well what the next move is. And we'll go through their, their, their results of their tests and we'll tell them, hey, listen, you know, you have low sperm or, you know, if your tubes are blocked by chance, you got to do IVF or wh whatever they have, we'll meet them where they are and we'll figure out the right move to help them get pregnant. The key is, is in our patients not to waste time because they really want this really, really badly. So it's evaluation, do something else fun around here, but then swift move to treatment and try to get pregnant. I love that you have all that support staff. I do a coaching program called uh, Pregnancy to Infancy, and I help parents deal with going from pregnancy to infancy and all the questions in between works really well for first time moms and things like that. So I love that you offer all that support for your patients. It's kind of unique to have a center like we do. And that's one of our goals is to have our reproductive coaches, our nutritionists, our navigators, our nurses, um, our patient advocates. We, we have so much going on and, and really helps support our patients because they're stressed. And maybe those things can help. Listen, someone comes in, they're not nutritionally in a great situation. Their, their, their sugars aren't great or they want to kind of get more fit. We have people who will walk you through it without judging you. So you're right. It's so important. It is. It's so, and, and stress, you know, stress can play a huge factor in so many things in not getting pregnant and, you know, colicky babies. And, you know, there's so much that stress itself can come into play. And if you're, you know, able to find a way to reduce that. It's interesting you say that I have on one of my slides, a circle of a pie circle, just like we've talked about. How's your sperm? How's your tubes? How's your cavity? How are your eggs? How are your cycles? And then there's another piece right there. And guess what it says in there? Stress. Like you're saying, how does stress come into it? And that's why if that's happening, we want them to choose something else. Exercise, late night walks, talk to one of our reproductive social workers, talk, about, talk to them, come to ladies night in do fertile yoga. You wouldn't believe Celia, we have published papers on yoga class and fertile yoga and gentle yoga, maybe helping people do better. So Lisa Rosenthal, one of our patient advocates, who's a professional in our area, offers our patients who are feeling stressed to do yoga, to kind of take the edge off and maybe make things better for them. So you're right. It's so important. 
and you know, you always hear people that, you know, they went through IVF, they haven't been able to get pregnant, they haven't been able to get pregnant, they went through IVF, or they even went through adoption or something like that. And then they have this baby, and they get pregnant. And it has so much to do with now they're not stressing over, you know, uh, you know, am I pregnant? I, you know, going through all that. Right. It's, you know, it's like, they're not thinking about things. And, but the good thing is, is that you've got to be open to, you got to be trying. Cause what I tell people is you never know any month you can get pregnant. And so I think you're right. Low stress, good vitamins, good sleep, little exercise and talking to people to kind of help you is, is important. Absolutely. You know, and not every center has what we have. So, you know, not everyone has you to talk to them. So it's special. It is. It is. And so you guys are in Connecticut. Yeah. Do people come to you from all around or do you mostly serve people in that state? So we're in Connecticut. We also have an office in New York and Harrison, and we see patients to who see uh, Dr. L from all around the world who are using gestational carriers because in some and using donor egg. So some, for example, of our patients who are in different parts of the world, they're, they're not allowed to use donor egg because the rules don't allow them or they can't use a gestational carrier or if they have an issue with their uterus but and they can't use a carrier in their country, we take care of them here. So we see people from all around the world and with the advent of Zoom, it is so easy to take care of these patients and, and having a center that takes care of people in Connecticut, New York, and all around, and also international, we have our nurses and our navigators who are well-versed in these rules and regulations. So it's just simple for us. I love that. So, so I, I really appreciate you coming here to talk about this because there are so many questions. And I think the more women get, you know, empowered in their careers and their own lives, they wind up deciding to have a family later in life. And that's when more and more of the issues come up. Um, So it's so helpful for people to hear about what's available out there and what they can do about it. Uh, Is there any last words of advice or information that you would like to pass on to our listeners? So it's interesting you said that one thing is, is so be proactive. Your eggs are never going to be younger than than they are today. Like your comment was, is we have a lot of people who are waiting to get pregnant. You can always freeze your eggs. That's a great idea. For later. Um, You know, at rmact.com, we have great articles and stories and resources and support groups and information. Um, And, uh, you know, I have my podcast, as you know, fertility.now. That's my Instagram and my podcast is Fertility Now. So it's a great resource. Um, But, you know, I think you and I both want people to know about all the cool things that we have in our field. Everyone should know that we're so open to helping everyone and that there's been incredible strides in our field and just reach out. Yes, yes. Just just go for it. I'm not sure. Make a phone call, call them up because, you know, you're not going to get answers unless you ask. Unless you ask. So, and and you, we have Zoom. People Zoom, we talk. Easy. Yeah. It's, you know, you can't, today's technology, you know, there's somebody that can help you right there. Absolutely. As, as close as your computer or your it's phone so, or yourself. Exactly. So I agree with you. Just being proactive, knowing that things are out there and people want to help you. Yeah. And I love that idea of freezing 
your eggs early. I didn't even think about that. That's I'm that I threw it in there to catch you off. <laughs> I threw you in there to catch you off guard because there's a lot of people who are like, you know what, I'm not ready for family building now. Well, guess what? Do IVF, it takes two weeks. Do IVF freeze 10 to 20 eggs, have them frozen, live your life if you need them, thaw them. They're they're good at the age that when you when you got them, your uterus doesn't age. So that is going to be a big thing that's going to become even more popular. It's popular now, but it's going to become more popular as years go That's a great idea. What do you do if somebody does do that and then they decide never to have children and they never use them? So if they don't use them, they don't use them. But what I tell people is if you have those eggs, they're in your back pocket. If you need them, you need them. If you don't, you don't. If you don't want them, you can discard them. The nice thing, they're eggs. You can discard them and you don't have to use them. It, it, it didn't hurt you. It was a simple two-week process. Right, right. It's, it's, it's really egg. cool. Yeah. You discard those every month. So <laughs> exactly. Automatically. So yeah, that, that's just great advice. Well, yeah. I, Dr. Spencer, I'm so happy you were here with me. And I know you said to call you Spencer, but I feel like I have to call you. Dr. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it was a pleasure being here. And I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Have listeners, I will have all of Dr. Spencer's information in the description so you can reach out and look and find out so you can call and get answers. I get answers. You, you want to be a parent? I, I will tell you, I have five children and they are my miracles. They are my biggest accomplishments. And I am blessed to have all five of them. And uh, they gave me nine wonderful grandchildren, which I'm also blessed to have. So keep making babies. We love those keep, babies. So <laughs> We love those babies. And there's so many ways to help people. So this is, this was really nice that you, that you're talking about this. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. And it's so wonderful to meet you. Thank and, you very much. Um, for all of you mommies or daddies or caregivers out there listening to this podcast, reach out if you need to. If you need me, go to talkwithcelia.com and let's just talk. And in the meantime, guys, as always, I wish you your days filled with peace, love, and tons of laughter. It really is the best medicine. So keep laughing. Things are super funny. And I'll see you here next time on the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast and being a part of my mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids. Be sure to head over to PumpedUpParenting.com and grab your free copy of the Patient's Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, great news. Now there is. Pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, plus my three new children's books at celiasbooks.com. That's celiasbooks.com. If you're loving this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and pay it forward. And also leave a review so I know who you are and can thank you personally. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone in your family can blossom from. Have yourself a really happy, fun day. Bye-bye.